Welcome to Tea with My Uncle Iros, Lazy Susan-style conversations with mentors and musicians that have inspired me over the years. I'm your host, Son of Paper. For those who may not know me or Uncle Iroh, I apologize for the niche reference and applaud your open-mindedness to try out a new pod. My name is Son of Paper, and I'm a 23-year-old rapper from San Francisco, California. Uncle Iroh is a character in Avatar, but my generation has deemed the most wise and patient mentor ever. I see our world as Prince Zuko-like, divided and misguided, with so much goodness trapped inside. This season, I sat down with some awe-inspiring music vendors that are bringing the heat across genres. From combos with industry vets to up-and-coming artists, I'm certain you'll find your next favorite artist here. Welcome to book two of Tea with My Uncle Ivers. This has been one that I've been um, just really excited to do for a long, long time now. Um, I did the... I did a, a little warm-up session with Don. We we dove deep and um, just got to the root of our our um, relationship and his mentorship. But um, joining me today for uh, this podcast with tea or or water, whatever we got in our cup, um, I, is the is none other than um, Aquarius Groove Music in the flesh, both Ooh. members. <laughs> Quaddy. And um yeah, I, I don't I don't think um anyone that's that's been rocking with Sun of Paper music since the beginning um has definitely seen the uh the feature and the, the producer credits um go to Malik of Aquarius Groove Music probably many, many of the times. Um most notably probably on on Ride With Me, I think is the song that I I performed the most throughout college and people probably heard uh, your vocals and stuff on that. But um, starting with um, Malik, why don't, why don't we, you just kind of introduce yourself however you uh, would like, and then we'll just go to Don and then we'll just chop it up. Beautiful. Hi, my name is Malik. Some people call me Malik. <laughs> Doghead Mahoney. That's who I'm is. Half of Aquarius. Barnaby Busgrove. <laughs> Barnaby Busgrove. <laughs> yeah. Lieutenant Jump Fresh. Sergeant Jump Tight. <laughs> yeah. That's who I'm is. Uh, what's up, good peoples? Um, Don Fraser, Chief Ivy. Go by Graham. Double. Uh, the other half of Aquarius. Been doing this physically for what, what bro? It's been 16 years? 16 years, yeah. 16 years, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and I guess um, in terms of, I mean, you know, you guys are so uh, critical to me and I, I definitely want to dive into our connection and stuff. But before we do that, how about we kind of maybe from both perspectives talk about how you guys met each other and and I guess like how um, that was formative and and how that was able to be to to become something beautiful into the partnership that you guys have. 
man. And then and then we'll we'll then we'll come up to speed to when you met me, and then we'll go all the way to 2020 uh, to give dope. people some context. So, uh, I, I've already actually heard Don's side, but I'll, I'll, let's start with Malik and how he remembers meeting a young Don Frazier Jr. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I, yeah, I actually yeah, I, I love. I'm going to ask Malik to start it anyway because <laughs> it makes sense for you to start it. Right? <laughs> awesome. I love diving into that uh, story because it was an important part of my life. So, you know, personally, my journey as a rapper, then MC started, you know, when I was nine. And so having written and rapped and performed for years, um, I had kind of gotten to a point as, um, as more of a, a lyricist and spoken word artist than a rapper. And this is, you know, we go back to late 80s, early 90s. And so um, I had actually gotten to a point, I had been in groups before, I had done a little solo work. Um, and so, you know, maybe mid 90s, late 90s, had gotten to a point where I was kind of over it. And um, had even considered hanging up the mic and retiring. So go to 2002, 2003, I had pretty much decided that I was done. And so through a family friend, very close family friend, um, I got a chance and the honor to meet Donald uh, through friends of our fathers. And uh, he connected us, the universe was involved. And so I was on a trip down in uh, Santa Barbara. I got a call, hey, you know, there's this young brother who's into music and he needs, you know, somebody to kind of get down with. And he's just relocated to the city. Um, I want you guys to connect and meet. And so this particular person that made this phone call, when you get a call from this cat, you know, that's like you put everything down and you go and you you handle business. And so I was like, all right. And so um, got on the phone and talked to Donald. And I was like, you know, I'm down in Santa Barbara right now, but I'll be back up in the Bay uh, in a couple of days. Let's meet. Let's meet up then. And so we connected. Uh, he was uh, staying at Fox Plaza in uh, downtown in the city and pull up to his spot he comes downstairs he hops in the whip and i don't even think we drove anywhere at that point we was just sitting in the car and we were kind of talking about like i you know what kind of music are you into who are your influences um and we vibe instantly and so then i asked him you know a critical question i was like all right so you know when you're recording what kind of setup do you like in, in the <laughs> studio when you record and he was like oh man you know i like the lights dimmed up and you know you know, different colored lights and incense got to be burning and whatnot. So instantly I'm like, all right, this is my man's right here. <laughs> so um, at that point, uh, my man CJ, he and I had just finished up, a, I think we had just finished up a project or we were finishing up a project. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a few, it was a solo album. I was, uh, I was, you know, maybe halfway through the project um, and I was doing shows at a bunch of spots in the city. Uh, one spot I was regularly at every week called the Rocket Room uh, out in the Richmond district. And um, so he you know, came to the studio, introduced him to CJ, and we just instantly had this chemistry. It was wild. 
I had never had chemistry with anybody like that. You know, we'd freestyle and, you know, ping pong off of each other, you know, ones and twos. And we would challenge each other with like different rhyming games, you know, just, you know, spitting out, you know, little phrases. And then the other person would spit a phrase and we would just kind of challenge just the ping pong. It was ridiculous. And CJ took note and he was like, hey, it was completely off the cuff, too. He was like, hey, y'all should form a group. And we were like, ah, whatever, whatever. I think I had already started talking about retiring and shit. And he was like, he was like, nah, for real, y'all should start a group. Y'all's chemistry is just ridiculous. And I had been working with CJ for a minute. CJ was, um, he was a session artist. He was a session pianist uh, at the studio that I was recording at, Cool Cat Studios. And so he and I bonded real tough. And so over the years, he and I had kind of forged this real, just deep, deep, musical and just family bond and he could tell that there was something special between me and donald as far as just our connection and just how we got down and so he was like now nah, for real y'all should y'all should form a group and so uh shortly after that we did a couple of singles we did uh 2119 was one of the, i think I've, i think that was the first single we did 2119 and then we did uh breathe easy and we did uh, Southern Comfort. Southern Comfort. Southern Comfort. Hey, so we knock out these three singles and we just, you know, we're playing them for people and shit. And people are losing their minds like, hey, y'all, y'all need to do something. And so um, Donald started doing shows with me and started out like, you know, he would be my hype man. And then I'd give him a section so that he could do a couple songs. His, his presence on stage was dumb. And I was really big into that because, you know, I had had years of performing and I sang with the San Francisco Boys Choir as a kid. So, you know, performance was one of the things that I was, you know, I thought that I kind of knew really well. And this man would get on the stage and he could just captivate. So I was like, bro, bro, I'm kind of I'm kind of digging this idea of us, you know, doing a group <laughs> together. You know, we should kind of do something. And um I don't remember if we started actually recording songs first or because I'm trying to think of um, which came first, the name or the music. But I just remember being uh, downstairs on 2-6 on the veranda. And I think we were sitting up just chilling like we always used to do. And it, it like it punched me dead in the throat. Wow. Aquarius. That's going to be our name. Like, I was like, what you talking about? <laughs> And I was like, Aquarius, that's going to be our name, bro. We're refreshing. You know, we flow like water. The fucking, the, 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 the flows are so fluid. We're both Aquariuses. It just makes sense. And it was just kind of like, it was a no brainer. And I think mm -hmm. we hit up CJ and we're like, hey, CJ, we came up with the name Aquarius. He was like, cool, let's do an album now. <laughs> it was funny because he was like, y'all are the last motherfuckers to know that this is where it's supposed to be. <laughs> We're playing. Let's do this, and uh, we started working on our first album, and that was 2004. Um, and it, you know, we recorded it. It took us some, you know, years to kind of get everything right. And I remember 2007 was our bombest fucking year. Yeah, I think we were, we we did like almost 200 shows. Yeah, we were rocking shows from you know every venue in the Bay Area, but we were doing stuff down in LA. Um, 
I think that was the year, maybe the year after that, that we rocked it uh, for the Emergenza uh, International Festival, put together a live band and performed, you know, a bunch of our sets with a live band. That shit was, I mean, yeah. That, that, and that was the beginnings of, and this is before we had our own studio. You know, we definitely had a, you know, a vision. We were like, all right, you know, on the short list of things that Aquarius is gonna have. You know, we're gonna have a vault of music. We're going to own our own shit. We're gonna have our own studio. We're gonna have our own publishing company. We're gonna have our own, you know, everything. We wanted our own recording, you know, uh, component because we wanted to keep everything in house. And then once we got our studio and got the publishing and everything together, we were like, you know what? We gonna call our shit in-house productions. And so, and that that started, that was when the land the landfall started after that. Nine or 10 uh, splash tapes later, three albums. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that, that was, that was fire, that was fire. But that's good. That's how it started. Dang, bro, that was that was great. That was great. And so much, so much more inside stuff in between there. I mean, that's just like the 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 the, the big picture of it all. But you know, yeah, that's a nice little walk back right there. Wow. Yeah. Don, is there anything that? Um... I think it was funny the way you described your first impression of Malik, too. Um, so if you want to add anything to any, any of the, the sections of the story that Malik gave us, um, that'd be dope. No, not really, man. I, I don't think there's anything I want to add. Uh, I miss us. Like I miss us, not just in the studio, but just vibing out, you know? And sometimes I wonder, cause I ended up going back to, going back home. That's when I called Southern Illinois and Murfreesboro, my home. And I was gone, shit, for, for a while. Uh, and it shifted our music career, our trajectory. And I don't think I've ever, to this day, I don't think I've still accepted, accepted that. Uh, because we were so much in a groove. And I don't think I've ever even told you that, bro. You know, uh, like I've never said it out loud. No, we never like, we talked about it lightweight back then, yeah. but never really since. Yeah, so like, there's nothing to really add. Like when 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 I was talking about it, I'm just like, damn, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what came, that's what came up for me as she was telling the story. It's like, damn, what if, you know? Yeah. Oh, if or when, you know, I'll I'll accept that. But I'm definitely owning. You know, that was a that was a consequence, and that impacted both of us for sure. Uh, and you know, our families as well. Yeah. Um, but no, man, it's, um, I, I, I love telling the story about how, how we met because it's, it's beyond us. Like, it's not just, we met up somewhere, you know, it's true. It's like the guy that I met 
who's a mutual friend of both of our fathers. I don't know. It was just like you couldn't if, if you read this on black and white it is is it's like, man, no, it didn't happen like that. Yeah. But it, so, the it, cat that, so the cat that he's talking about, his name is John Stallone. John Stallone was my father's best friend for 30 years before my pops passed away in 88. And I stayed, he, you know, became an uncle to me, of course. And so, you know, I stayed in close contact with him over the years. He lived up in Petaluma. He also was very close friends with Grimm's pops from their time in Arizona. So two separate, the same dude, but two separate relationships at different times. And the relationships were so impactful that when John had an opportunity to connect the sons, he was like, oh yeah, y'all need to connect. And again, like I said, you know, when John picks up the phone and calls you, you drop everything, you take that call. And whatever he's telling you is like, I, I gotta, you know, this is important shit. And, yeah. uh, and so that's why, like, you know, it wasn't just a chance meeting or anything like that. Like, you know, we bumped into each other somewhere, you know, it was just like, you know, it was purposeful. The universe set that shit in, 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 into play. Um, and it led to, you know, a lifetime connection and, and brotherhood and, and the music as well, you know. Hey, you remember when, so on the, on the, on the tip of, you know, us always being driven to have our own shit, you know, yeah. and I remember one of the things we always talked about was we want to have a vault of music. We just want to have tracks on tracks on tracks on tracks on tracks on tracks. The catalog was everything for us. And I remember when, um, when Grimm had come home and he was like, bro, I got a copy of Reason for you. And he installed that shit on my laptop. Yes. I lost my shit, bro. Because <laughs> it was the first opportunity that I got to start producing our fucking beats. And our first sound, our first splash tape was seven or eight tracks that were in-house produced. We no longer had to go out and grab beats from other people <laughs> or anything like that. We had created our own little studio in the corner of uh, the room. <laughs> on two six and it was crazy because the ceilings were mad tall and so it was terrible for acoustics that motherfucking room echoed everywhere we hadn't really done all that much research yet on like you know engineering rooms right. and acoustically you know you know structuring it and everything so we would just get closer to the mic or we'd move further from the mic or we'd tilt it this way or whatnot <laughs> i think i remember even i think at one point we had had like some shit set up to where we could drape like puff coats over us. Yep. We have like my triple fat uh, Tommy Hilfiger and we would hold it over our heads while we were recording on the mic so that we could block out some of the echo and shit, man. We would try to do all kinds of shit, but we were just, we were driven to have our own shit, you know, production wise, you know, recording session wise, we were tired of having to wait because, you know, as creative as we are, we would write every day. Yeah. We would write every day. Our work ethic was stupid, bro. Every day we was on the veranda writing, ping-ponging after each other, practicing, you know, cadences and 
just diving in on verses, you know, writing verses together. I still have in uh, boxes, I have some of our early verses where we would not just ping pong off each other within the line, but we would be like, it would be like three words, three words, three words, three words. And so the verse page would have highlights of whose word was whose. So orange highlight was his, yellow highlight was my words. And literally we would just ping pong off of each other. Man, that shit was so sick. There was nobody doing it back then. Like even mainstream, there was nobody doing it like that. There was no twosome that was like you had cats, you had Black Star, you had, you know, Most Def and Talib, but they were still like verse verse, or they might go, you know, fours, but they weren't ping ponging inside the lines like we were. The closest was written. That shit was crazy. That shit was crazy, bro. But that shit, that was effort and time, and we just kind of lived it for years. You know what's crazy about that? So all, so all the music that we did on 26th, and we was uh, just putting music out. Now we sit back and we'll play some music, and we'll wait for this noise, and it's a oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> What's that noise? Oh shit! <laughs> smoke alarm. It needed a battery. <laughs> smoke detector needed a battery, and it was so high up that we could never fuck with it. So there's like there's albums where in the background you'll hear a beep <laughs> if you just it hella close and man yeah nobody like no like to this day nobody will catch it until we'll we'll say something yeah me and we'll we'll catch it in an instant yeah instantly instantly one of us will start cracking up and the other person will be like oh hell no nah. and it's a whole batch of like probably our first two splash tapes at least yeah, at that Still beat. Good it's just that damn beat. Yep. Well, uh... and that became an ongoing joke because every house that I would move in, it'd be a studio. Eventually, a smoke detector would start beeping, and we would just lose our shit anytime we would hear a little beep in the background. We'd be like, "Oh hell no, that beep is following us." That <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker trying to make a feature on every album. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh... Wow. Um, t- tell me a bit about, um, I guess, the journey of making so much music, you know, like, I- I've only began in terms of um, finding, feeling like really comfortable recording every time and feeling like I'm getting the sound that I, I that I'm, I've been visualizing in my head for many years, um, not only recording um, hours and hours with uh, Malik and um, and Don, and also Sunset Youth Services, and at school at Wesleyan, to finally have my own place and um, have done vocal lesson work um, by like a. Uh, an ex-opera singer and like just like be able to you know um, feel like you know I have control over the instrument you know Mm -hmm. that that God gave me and and now 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 it's at this point it's like of course like I'm gonna keep trying to push the envelope there but it feels less about 
the me worrying about lyrics, me worrying about how I'm gonna if my recording is gonna sound all right. Now it's all just about production and just like and the whole package of of putting stuff work out. So it's like it's like not that it's a given, not that my recording is always gonna be fire, but like I know I can get there within two hours and have something damn near um, excellent. So I guess like for you guys, you know, you you I'm sure you guys have already surpassed that that zone where like recording is new and like a hassle type of thing to just being able to like evolve and also age now and and um uh discover new topics discover like new ways to keep it fresh like how how does how is um emceeing for like 16 years plus like impacted you guys and and tell me about the evolution i guess mm. I can say definitely as far as like um, the production side. Um, so I came up playing instruments. So, you know, music theory and dynamics, things like that, that kind of already, I already had an understanding of. I spent a lot of years looking over Grimm's shoulder while he was because he would run most of our sessions the first bunch of years. And so looking over his shoulder and asking him, like, why are you doing that? What is that? You know, on an actual, like, production side, you know, we very early learned what settings, what effects, you know, what um, components made our voices sound the best. So no matter where we went studio wise, we knew like what compressor, what settings, you know, what EQ settings, you know, what reverb settings, depending on what program, you know, Pro Tools, you know, mostly. So we pretty much knew, okay, this is what our settings were, you know, and I got there, you know, really kind of looking over Grim's shoulder over the years while he was, you know, setting our shit up. And we would be so critical of everything that we recorded. You know, we would have, you know, session after session after session of listening and taking our recordings to a car and then taking it to another car, being very mindful of the surroundings and the settings, you know, within. Don't forget the boombox. Yeah, boombox. You know, just we were constantly listening and taking notes. You know, this sounds too crisp. This is too, you know, too much high end, too much bass, it's muffled. And so constantly working on our craft the first, you know, bunch of years, you know, and then getting good equipment to where it, you know, what we were actually putting in actually was coming out, you know. Um, and then once we had that down, it was almost like a template, you know, it was just, it was easy after that, but that took years. Um, but a lot of the production shit I learned looking over Grimm's shoulder, and then each of us individually doing research. This man would go in the studio and he would literally be in there from seven o'clock at night till three or four o'clock in the morning and working on, you know, dynamics and settings and what did this do to make this, you know, do this and then doing research. You know, I spent a year at California Recording Institute in the city when it was still available. So, you know, that was beneficial for learning 
the actual art of engineering and you know what all the leveling is about um so i mean it took years to kind of get it but then once we got it i'm gonna have to i'll speak for myself there was an element of cockiness because to your point you know i could go to any studio and put my shit down like that i knew what it was supposed to sound like i was comfortable over years with my own voice i knew my lyrics and everything was always going to be fired because i was just you know that was second nature um so you kind of walk with that cockiness that confidence um and it just made the whole uh recording process much easier you know, the last couple of years that we were recording together were so much fucking fun because yeah. each of us, it was kind of like, watch this motherfucker. You know, <clears throat> I can't tell you how many times I would, <clears throat> you know, I'd spend a week in the studio and I'd, I'd craft, you know, eight, nine, 10 beats. And I couldn't wait for Grim to come in. He'd come in on a Friday night and we'd get some drink and he'd come in. I'd be like, all right, bro, you ready? And he'd sit down. And I just blow his fucking head up with just beat after beat after beat. And then it was I and these were all in-house beats. This is our, our own shit. And so then it was like, all right, shit, you know, what are we going to get on first? And then this motherfucker would disappear in the studio for, you know, three, four hours. And then he'd come back and be like, all right, we've got three, four songs already. I mean, the way we would churn out music was crazy. We put we'd put down six or seven songs a week and it would just go in the vault and nothing nothing would happen that's the only thing that i do regret is i feel like we were so prolific when it came to making songs that we never released enough like for all the shit that we released you go on soundcloud Bandcamp, you know even itunes whatever the with the music that we've released there's probably five times that amount of material that is just sitting in hard drives. Um, the change over the years, the, the growth and development, uh, uh, let me see. When we started producing for ourselves, it was a learning curve for sure, because it was like, what the hell are we doing? Um, but like Mal said, like self-taught, I would pick up a book here and there. But like before I dive into that, I think the compliment that I appreciated the most, and I've heard several times, is when people will hear our music. They say, man, it, you know, it feels like I'm in the studio with y'all. Mm. That was like the best compliment that I've ever received from anyone about the music that we've created. It's powerful. Um, to Mal's point, I can't, like, I can't sing and shit. Like, you tell me, like, an e, E10 noter, like, I don't, you know, those terms and shit? I don't, I don't know. I do, but my ear, I know, you know, when it's there. So, when the, something I really appreciated about when we was working, push record. Like, that was just the thing. Push record. And it wasn't record, watch this, but it was like push record, watch this. 
right? And it was it was this this dynamic that when people would be in the studio with us, like literally, they wouldn't want to leave, even if we weren't recording anything. Just us being around each other, and so the mic would just be on, and so we would just like capture shit, and you know, what are we gonna do with that shit? I don't know. And there's a lot of songs that you'll hear where there's laughter. Like, bro, don't do that, bro. And this was like, it wasn't scripted. It was natural. And it was like, when, when you heard our music, you got us. And I think that's why people said, damn, and it felt like I was in the studio with y'all. My, my, my number one artist, my favorite artist is Malik. I'm not saying he's the best, but he's, he's my favorite. You see what I'm saying? So when I, like, think about that, Kyle. If you're able to work with your favorite artist, you know what I mean? Like you, you're good. So whenever it came to like his penmanship, I was, I don't know, man. And then like when I left, when I left back to Boro and I came back and we got back in the groove of things, he would play, play what he's was working on. And like, I don't know, I'm just like every verse, like, bro, how do you how do you keep doing this? Like at some point you got you gotta you gotta like spit a, a whack one. <laughs> You gotta spit a rock one at some point. And there were times where he wouldn't feel it. There were times where I'm like, yeah, bro, I hear you. It's, it's still dope, but I hear what you're saying. It's like, it's not it. That's another thing about the connection is like, we know, bro, other people gonna think it's hot, but I, I feel what you're saying, right? Um, so we were always not just excited to present our work to each other. We enjoy being around each other doing it. She's like, man, shit, bro, finna go in and watch. Watch, bro, finna go in and watch. And it was, it was like, it was that. And I forget what year, it was probably a year or two before you left. You know, the hashtag was watch this. Because we had our library, we had our, our own studio, we had everything lined up. And it was like, yeah, bro, let's get it. Uh, so even since then, Malik has been me mixing Malik and working on like using his because he's he's been doing this years before I've been doing it. So like he told me this was before KRS one said this shit. Like if you see Malik perform, he's a he's a true, right? So Malik will wear a pinstripe three-piece suit. And one song he got the hat, one song he'll spit with the whole suit, the next song he'll take the hat off. The next song, he'll take the jacket off, right? By the, by the fourth song, he's bearing soul with the group, with the, with the crowd. So I'm seeing it, I'm like, damn, bros, that was up right there, right? And he's like, hey, you know, come come rock with me on stage. But so then, so think about that. Like my first time seeing this dude perform, all right, great. So then he's developing this reverence for me. So it's like, okay, cool, we good, we building. And over time, when, I, when we were working in the studio and we would go other places, I would get frustrated because people's what I'm I'm hearing Malik's voice, but they weren't mixing it how it needed to be mixed, and right the way that we was wanting to mix. So that was just another level of frustration. Like man, no, bro. <laughs> so this was just more inspiration for us to get our equipment. And once we got it, to Malik's point, I would be in that I'd be in a bitch to two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, and just like, all right, bro, I got something. Sit down, bet. And there'll be times where he would come check in on me. You good, bro? You need anything? Nah, I'm good. Bet. 
So over the years while I was doing that, I don't like he wasn't my he wasn't my guinea pig. What we was doing it like we was doing this for each other. But his craftiness and his characters that he puts, the characters that he puts on the track, he just named them off, right? Doghead Mahoney, uh, Finkelfarb, like all their, their characters. And so it was exciting to like mix these people down and like create it in a way that it should be presented. So then, like we never tried to show show each other up one. We was always, nah, bro, you can do that better than that. Or bro, what you think about this? Like we wanted each other's approval before we move forward, right? So it was, and I think that that contributed to not just our dynamic, but the production as a whole. And so everything that we produced, and I think that was another reason that we were able to just produce so much because it was no, it was no ego. It wasn't. No, no, it's, it's my time. It was none of that. It was like, bro, you ready? Let's get it. You good? All right, I'm gonna go in for a couple. All right, bet. Uh, bro, I made three of them. You know, I'll be home about this time. Make sure you listen to them. Bet. It was just always work, you know? And it didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like work. So that's very important. But then you fast forward to today, like studio in the back. And I'm, I'm still like, I don't, <clears throat> I miss my bro, right? Cause I'm, I'm used to him hearing what I'm doing. Now, interesting enough, to, like to answer the other part of your question, like how how did we change over time? Man, we always we we I don't know, man. We make fun groove music. Like people be like, "How would you describe your music?" I'm like, "I don't know, like mid '90s kind of music." But then you got this range of mid '90s music, but because it, it don't fit into a category, right? Now, fast forward, student in the back. <clears throat> I'm recording all this music. Even my son recorded music, right? And it's, it's been interesting because this is his first time in front of a mic. So I'm just like, all right, just explore, have fun. And he's, um, now this is why I say he remind me of you sometimes. He got it, he knows what he's looking for up here. He knows what he's looking for. He's patient and he's also like, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. Okay. We'll get there. Then he'll say, now this part is not like you, man. Then he'll say, Dad, will you help me? I'm trying to get here. I'm like, okay, bet. This is why I'm like, damn, I wish Malik was here for these kinds of things he's asking for. <clears throat> so I'll say, all right, son. I I can't tell you how to do it. I can't, like, I can't tell you how to hit this particular thing. When I hear it, I got you. We go over time. We'll do a song and you know, mother to a pass. He won't listen to it. I'm like, all right, son, remember that one song? Go listen to it. And he'll listen to it. He's like, man, this is the one right here. Now the whole time, I knew it was the one. I heard it. That's the kind of over the 16 years that Malik and I have been doing this. That's the kind of training that I've been able to do for the year. Now, mind you, I like I don't do all that auto tune shit. Uh, I don't want it. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need it. And so my son was like, daddy, how do you use your voice like that? <clears throat> and I told him, I said, son, this is, this is 16 plus years of practicing, of knowing how to deliver the tone that you want. Right. So with all of that, with all of that said, oh, now, so 
I got a couple songs I need to sing. So something's been happening also with the music that I've been creating. So I played a few songs for Coop, uh, our AN, the A and R, and R, and the Aquarius uh, Extraordinary, uh, <clears throat> and for the homeboy Hirsch, NCJ, and for the fam, and everyone is like, "Dude, where's this music coming from? Something's going on with with this music that's happening right now," mm. and I think that has to do with my fam, me being with my finally with my family. Yeah. Right. A lot of my music is is me being vulnerable, um, and you can feel it and you can hear it. And this is another thing. I'm like, damn, I wish Mal was here. This is a, a beautiful experience. Like, I, you know, with music, I've had my best experiences with Mal, right? And it's like, yo, this shit is dope. I was here. Uh, um. Yeah. So, but but then, like, as far as production, back to production. Like I'm, I'm learning myself again, right? I'm reintroducing, I'm reintroducing Grimm into this new Grimm that's surfacing. Wow! So it's like this ongoing evolution, and it's it's really powerful. And interesting enough, Kyle, like you have also been a part of that since we reconnected, right? Because the first time you came over, we was working with Pro Tools. Computer messed up. Next time we came, it was it was a uh, Logic, and the music that I've created since the last time you were here has evolved. And this has been me reintroducing myself to this new, to this new Grim and asking myself, well, damn, Grim, like if you want to release this Grim, who is this person you're talking about? Mm. Who, who do you want this person to be when, when they see him? Because I'm not the same Grim I was five years ago or 10 years ago. So, and I think that comes with it, bro. So, you know, I will say this, Kyle, I think you're in a in a great position. Already your production sounds ridiculous. Your, we've already talked about this too, like your work ethic is crazy. Uh, so just, re, you know, just remind yourself that as you evolve, ask yourself, who are you in relation to the way that you're evolving? So you'll be good to go. You'll be good to go. Damn, that was a long-winded answer for your question, bro, but it, that, was, that was right though. <clears throat> oh, thank you so much for that. Um, wow. Um, well, it's, it's, I think, I think also this is a great time to transition into kind of like how, how our connections, um, came to be and how, um, add me into the mix, into this story of, and, and, um, the timeline and to see the evolution, I guess. Um, because, um, I, uh, knew Don first, but, um, I spent the majority of my musical development phase with Malik. So, um, Don, how about, how about you start and tell us a little bit about, um, you coming to the friend school, you can just do like the spark notes version of it. And then how, I guess, uh, Malik became, um, one of the most critical mentors as well as just like um a place of refuge and like almost like you know like a uh a, a mini therapist in, in the in the booth and, and learned and taught me how to just um like like he he saw that i was looking for something you know but i i didn't even know what i was looking for and he he was sort of my my navigator you know so 
but Don, how, how did you lead me? How, how did I even get there? And, and, and what were, what was that like for you? Um, real quick snapshot, uh, came to friend school in, um, <clears throat> uh, 2008, I think 2008, nine, 12, yeah, 2008, I met you a year later, 2009, I think you were in fifth grade at the time. Uh, you played chess a lot. You were you was a you was a little rascal when it came to sports. <laughs> you was a straight straight scrapper. Uh, but you weren't you weren't doing music in element, like you weren't doing it. I think you you sparked some interest in it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't your, your thing. But you had reached out to me because you found out that I did music. Uh, and you you wanted me to hear actually before music, you wanted me to hear some of your poetry. Cause that's that's where it started, uh, and just some of your writing. And I was like, okay, right on, right on. And I didn't think he was gonna do nothing with it. You know, who the hell knew? I was just like, yo, man, that's that's pretty cool stuff. <clears throat> what I liked about it is, uh, I think, I think your the, your complexity, your mental, like your writing, demonstrated the way you be thinking at a very young age. Even your songs now, it's like you really have to pay attention to what what you're saying. And so that was even when you was writing poetry, it was, it was really nice. So then fast forward, um, uh, you expressed that you wanted to do music. And I was like, for real? <laughs> and like, not in a bad way. I was just like, Kyle, you wanna do music? But then I wasn't surprised because, you know, again, you sparked a little bit of interest early on. And so I was like, okay, cool. Come over to the studio, introduce you to Malik. This, this is and freshman year, right? This is, uh, I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. 2013, maybe? Yes, 2013. Because this was the same time that I was in my grad program, in my doctoral program. Uh, and I didn't know until, you know, Malik would text me or let me and update me. I didn't know the relationship went where it went as fast as it did. I just thought you were over there doing music and stuff. I was like, all right, babe, yeah, yeah. But Matt would text me from now and again, or when I had time, I would go check in with him. Hey man, I want you to you know, hear what Kyle did. But I noticed that it was way less about your music and it became more about you as a person. And he kept talking about your work ethic. He said, dude, he's a, he's a really fast learner, bro. Like. I tell him to do one thing and he'll literally do it. <laughs> so I'm like hearing him tell the stories about you. And I'm, I'm like getting really proud and excited and also like, damn, I wish I was there, right? So all these mixed emotions. But I think I was more proud than anything because I had seen what it meant to Malik to mentor you. You know what I mean? Like to see someone you care about joy, enjoy what they're doing and how they're doing it, it was powerful. And then I started hearing your music. I'm like, okay, all right. You could definitely tell he's, he's this is rookie year. Okay, you know, uh, we'll sharpen him up. So that that was that was my introduction to you and where Malika got involved because I, yeah, I didn't do a lot of hands-on with you like maybe the first time or two, but after that, yeah. I just I heard about your growth through my eyes. It was it was it was beautiful for me to witness. So and, and that was mainly because you were um, starting your doctorate program, right? Yep. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have time to work on my music 
let you know. And Mal was like, nah, bro, you need to go get that go get that paperwork, man. You know, so he was even like, nah, no studio. When you can, you can, but get that paper. So yeah, and I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful, grateful for all of that support too. So yeah, that's how that happened. Take it away, Malik. So I remember, uh, I remember um, we had gotten a beat years back and I had forgotten the particulars on how we got it. But I remember there was a file in the hard drive called Shein and Grim was like, yeah, you know, you know, Kyle had given us this beat. The beat was fucking dope. And I didn't know whether it was produced by you or it was just one that you had kind of talked to us. But uh, the beat was fucking dope. And so that was just kind of like this idea that I had in my head that all right, this, you know, the Shin Kid is, is, is musical. And so then I remember uh, when we first started connecting, you were just, you were raw, but so driven. And I remember having that conversation with Grim about like, man, it's crazy because, you know, Kyle is not that different in age between my kids. And so when I tell my kids to do something, <laughs> these motherfuckers don't ever do it. It was so hard headed. There was no like, yeah, I had to tell them 15 times to do something. But here I am, you know, dealing with Kyle. And, you know, I would say, all right, you know, practice this or practice that or whatnot and instantly and the improvement was instant you know and it reminded me of like working with talented athletes where you know they just incorporate training faster you know there's just that learning curve is a lot shorter and week to week I could see improvement and so that kind of juiced me because it was like all right well shit this is you know just the improvement was, you know, so quick and the energy was so quick. The, the joy to learn was so evident. And then we started working on your project and it was the EP. And I actually, you know, to a certain extent, there would be times where I would be like, you know, fuck, I'm holding my man's back because he wants to get into the studio and I couldn't, I didn't have availability for a session. We had to push it back to the next week or I didn't have the mix done. Had to, And so it kind of made me step my game up as far as being a better producer and um, not manager, but just being better with talent and other people's projects. I was so used to just working on my shit and working on our stuff that, you know, dealing with other people's stuff, you know, we would do one-offs. We would have somebody come in and they would do a single with us or, you know, they would do a feature or something like that. But to actually manage somebody's project from, you know, from, you know, beginning to end and keeping, you know, keeping a timeline, that was, it helped me to step my game up um, and it made me kind of, you know, it just, it was, it was beneficial for me, you know, as much as, you know, I imagine it was beneficial for you, but 
for me, it was just dope just to kind of see this quick growth and evolution and the work ethic. And I really did then start appreciating because the more we worked together, the more I felt that you were comfortable with me. And to your statement, you know, I cherished where we would kind of break off of the music for a moment. And then we would talk about life, you know, and we would talk about your relationships and family. And that was when it was no longer, you know, you know, Kyle, the artist, you know, a cat that I'm mentoring and helping to do his project. Then it became, oh, this is nephew. This is family right here. This is my man's with a, a, a very deep and, you know, vested interest in not just the project. The project is going to be dope. But, you know, how is this young man going to evolve into a man? You know, how is his spiritual and emotional he's going off to college other side of the country you know comes back he's got a girlfriend and it's solid you know and you know you know just venturing into a whole fucking new world and blazing trails seemingly with no fear that was the other thing that i loved about you was just like hey this motherfucker is going to just grab a mic and get up there and whatever happens happens and let's do it and then we would come back and we would break it down. And it reminded me so much, the thought process reminded me so much of what Grimm and I would do, where we would record everything that we did. We would record practice sessions. We would record rehearsals. We would record shows. And then afterwards, we would deep dive and be so critically analytical about everything. And it wasn't non it wasn't judgmental. Oh, you sucked at this. You sucked at that. You missed this. It was, all right, well, let's improve this. Let's tweak this. Let's pay attention to that. And you were already on that mind frame. And it was almost, and it was without me even saying, hey, focus on this. It was, you know, you know, coach, what did you think about this? What did you hear here? What did you see here? What did you think? And we would break it down so deep. And then the next week you'd come back and improvement, you know? So, you know, just little things. I remember one time when we were do, you were doing like a tongue twist and you weren't catching the beat. And I was like, all right, let's stop the beat for a second. You know, we stopped, got some water. We talked about fam a little bit. And then I said, all right, what I want you to do is, this is your timing. I want you to spit it here. I want you to practice faster than you would record it. And you were kind of like, whoa, this is everything that I would introduce to you. You would process it and it would make sense. And you would just grab onto it. And then the very next session, here you are spitting. And I would hear before I press record, you were practicing getting your breath right and everything. And what did I hear you doing? Spitting it faster than you would spit it. And then you look at me, all right, I'm ready. And I press record and this motherfucker would execute. <laughs> oh man, it was so fire. It was so dope just to see it. It invigorated me, you know, to where, to a point where, you know, I remember in particular, there was a summer we were working and Aquarius had a project that we were also working on. And I was keeping people out of the studio. You know, other people wanted to come in, you know, let me, can I record? Can I get on? No, no, no. Cause you know, we got a timeline. I got, I don't have time. I would make time for, to, for Kyle to come in because it was so important and it became more than just the project, but it also became investing in this young man. And uh, that was powerful. That was powerful. And I felt honored the whole time, you know, especially as close as we got, you know, it was, you know, it was definitely an honor. And I felt then honored to be able to work on, you know, that project with you. And I remember, bro, I remember this was crazy. Um, 
there were the two tracks or it might have been on one track, but it was the one where uh, we fused in grandpa's um, voicemail to you. To this day, it still makes me wet in the face because it was so I, I could tell how meaningful it was for you and your cousin left a message and we found a way to get that in there. Oh, man, it was just such a heartfelt track. And I played it for G and she was just like, oh, my God, it's more than just hip hop. It's more than it's it's so like it's so personal and so passionate and so heartfelt. It just came through the recording. It was so it was it was more than just a project. It was it was really just like, you know, it was special. It was emotional, you know, and very rarely do you get a chance. You know, I think as a producer, as an engineer, as an arranger, very rarely do you get a chance to work on a project that's like you're proud to be a part of. You know, it's not just, you know, a client. It's not just a session. It's like, fuck, you know, I'm going to put in extra hours once this cat leaves because this means just as much to me as it means to him, you know, and that project was, was one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, there's been a lot of forgettable sessions, I guess, in terms of stuff that I've done since that, that first project with you, like I've had some recording sessions um, in the East coast uh, or like, you know, like where it's like, uh, that session, like there wasn't anything beyond getting the, the track down and remembering the environment of that, that space. Um, I had no connection with my tracking engineer. You know? mm. He was just there. He was just, you know, even at Sunset Youth, there's, there's sometimes where it's like, it's not, it's not Rymo that day and it's some other random dude. And he's just, he just, he's just there to hit, hit record and doesn't really want to have a conversation with me, you know? Um, I've, I've, I've now worked with some producers where, you know, I require record here or in the, or at Sunset Youth and then send them the vocals and then they just send me something back. And it's just sending each other files, right? <laughs> um, whereas there's still like, not a, like, like every time I think about the, our, our recording sessions and um, the songs that came from them, even though my voice, is, it sounds so young, which is the funniest. Yeah. I sound young. My voice is like sort of higher, sort of like a little out of control in a way. It's kind of how it feels like the way it's writing the beat. It seems not like nervous, but like um, kind of just, uh, it's, I mean, it, it's consistent. It's just kind of like, consistently inconsistent i don't know how else to describe it <laughs> yeah, but yeah. um uh yeah it, se it seems like it's sort of like a asking a question i guess that's kind of how i i feel like my early music feels like to me when i listen to it now um and yeah. and don's described my current music as something that just feels has so much more confidence and also it feels like the whole time even when i was recording back with malik like where I'm at now is where I was aiming the whole time. Like if I was, mm. if I was aiming my boat, like that's, that was the distance of where I was trying to reach. And I think Don, you described my, my sound and my, my, at least my most recent releases as sort of like, you know, you could tell I was smiling when I recorded it, you know, I, I was feeling good about what I was doing. And I felt like the words I was putting together were, 
like clever, but also just like in the spirit of joy and like um, just putting something out in the world that I'm like happy about. Um, so like, like that was sort of like, so being able to make the songs that I, you know, it, the ones I showed you guys before uh, our, our call today, um, all of that was, it just, it, it feels like, it feels so smooth and so nice and so in control, but it's like, like I had, I had many guides, including Aquarius Groove Music that helped me get to that, um, uh, not even get to that destination, but like get me on, tr on, on course and like give me the tools on how to like sail, you know what I mean? Like, I like, like in, uh, on that path of self-improvement, right? Because um, that's like, you know, it's like teaching a, a man how to fish versus giving him, throwing him help fish, you know? Um, and not to mention just to, just to like, just to, for context for the viewer, like um, all these sessions with, with both of you guys were always free, you know? And that, and that's something that's extremely, um, that the, uh, the industry as well as just like, I feel like America, like no one thinks of like, um, nothing feels very free. <laughs> Everything feels very like, either it's a massive favor or it's like, or you pay for your session and, and they're there, they'll give you help, but they're kind of like, um, they're, um, there's not that much natural generosity, I feel like in the industry of music. Very true. Um, and I feel like, like with, with Malik, it was always, it just felt so generous in that it was literally his time but also like I was in his house, I was in his, uh, you know, I was, we opened the little closet door and that's where the mic was, you know what I mean? Like um, the, you know, got to, got to know the, the other, the family as well. And even though I, you know, I, I, I still, I still feel very indebted in a way. Um, but it just feels like it was just um, one of those like unforgettable relationships and like, um yeah just like a spiritual zone that like uh makes me makes me like don i think very like reminiscent about those those sessions um one session that i remember in particular there's two um hmm. one was one was a, a good memory one was um <laughs> uh when we when we recorded the star uh, star that i am Ooh. and and, and the, the beat is really short i think or like, or it just kind of like loops a bunch of times. And like, we were like, okay, this is cool. Like, like we recorded, like I, I recorded a very like bare bones hook. And then Malik added like a bunch of like, probably like five or six vocal layers behind it. And then we were like, what do you think if we just muted the instrumental and just let the hook play at the end of the song? And then, and then we just, we, we, then you, uh, I think that was, was probably your idea. And we just did it. And we were like, wait a second. This is like way, this is, that's kind of how I actually evaluate my current hooks now. Mm. That, that, that um, experience, which still feels, it still gives me chills, you know, to like think about the first time I heard it with no instrumental, but like that's um, a tool that's helped me with mixing it and doing my own, uh, just doing my own, mini demos is that I just turn off the instrumental and play the hook with all of its components and listen 
does this slap as hard as it should or is there is there, am i missing some notes am i am i falling short um is the is the um the volume and the gain correct uh or like the eq does it feel balanced when we put it all together and um so that was a very magical moment i guess um and then the the other memory is um there's one time where uh i like you were uh like i i was just i was just waiting to do to do my next take but you had to like go to the bathroom or go set or i don't know you were in the kitchen or something and um i, I like touched one of the knobs <laughs> on the speaker to like try to to just to hear the playback and i remember it just like fucked up the session really bad for like yeah. 30 minutes like we were like uh oh <laughs> yeah i remember that i remember that and and i think and uh i think the the, the like the rough general uh response of what you said was like you know <laughs> don't touch another man's like equipment or speaker <laughs> um and, and and it was like and like i felt i felt well of course i felt guilty uh at the time but i guess like um it it I, I guess what it has um to be able to sit here uh at this desk that i'm at which is um my 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 studio apartment that my um that my uncle's the the uh the landlord for so i'm able to have this space and i have it's not in view but i have uh the microphone i have uh two big old jbls right behind me and um the interface and headphones it just feels like you know like it's crazy to to like have my own equipment and to to like know that you know like one day i'll be able to also you know have another artist in here and um tell them maybe, not to touch your equipment i'll tell them tell, <laughs> tell them to just sit tight <laughs> but but most importantly to someone you know like to to mentor you know or like there's already some like younger high school high school cats that like um i've connected with in the last couple of years through sunset youth um and you know like i i like malik was like my ob1 you know and uh like there's only the, the, it, it's only it's only right to like to pay it forward to have to pay pay it forward and um yeah I feel like I feel like I'm looking for I, I I'm looking to be kind of what you were to me but also I I'm also looking for like that that energy in their eye or like their their how hard they their work ethic to see if it's some it's something worth um investing my time and energy into. But. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tea with My Uncle Iros. Catch us every Monday on your favorite podcasting service. TWMUI is written and produced by me. Definitely rate and review us on iTunes and follow me at Son of Paper on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Theme music by Keys. For more, visit facebook.com slash unlockedkeys. Spill with y'all next time on Tea with my Uncle Iros. <laughs>